Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. This week, the News Fix is focusing on statewide ballot measures. Today, you're going to hear more about Proposition 26. Prop 26 would allow in-person roulette, dice games, and sports wagering on tribal lands, as well as sports betting at horse race tracks. Because there are two betting-related ballot measures on the ballot, you're also going to hear a little bit about Prop 27, which would allow online sports betting across the state. Prop 26 is supported by tribes who have casinos such as Sequan and Pechanga. It is opposed by non-tribal card rooms, animal rights activists, and some municipalities. First, you're going to hear from the Yes on 26 campaign, followed by the No on 26 campaign. Here's the conversation. Um, I would like to kind of start with basically a little bit of history and, and story of uh, uh, Saquon, which is very similar to other, uh, you know, of the 60 gaming tribes in the state of California. Uh, next month, or in two months, November 23rd, we'll be celebrating our 39th anniversary. Saquon was one of the first casinos or to operate one of the first tribes to start with high stakes Indian bingo back in 1983. And that was really a game changer uh, through our hard work. Uh, you know, I represent the third generation now on our reservation that is running the tribal government since uh, Indian gaming, tribal government gaming has, has began and flourished over this time. Um, worked very hard to provide jobs and basic services that of course the federal government was not providing to tribes and it's grown successfully over the years. Uh, massive effort for all the tribes, uh, and victoriously, we were able to amend the state constitution uh, through Prop 5 and then 1A, subsequently to allow Class 3 government gaming on tribal lands. Uh, this is an industry that has been built up over very, you know, hard work of the tribes over, over many, many years, uh, you know, 39 years for in Saquon's case. Um, so we've, we've built this industry, you know, through our blood, sweat and tears is how I put it. And we have every reason to be protective and want to uh, extend and protect that exclusivity that was granted to keep Indian gaming on tribal lands uh, that was supported overwhelmingly by the voters. So many years later, you know, we are faced with the potential uh, expansion of, of gaming in the state. And so we are very cautious that the tribes have a right to be, I think, coming from our view of a potential expansion. So of course, I'll just start by 27. When you're talking about uh, out-of-state corporate written initiative, sponsored initiative to allow mobile statewide gaming, we find that to be a very big concern. Again, it's, it's misleading. Majority of the profits will go back to those uh, corporations. Uh, the bill has numerous loopholes that allow for deductions and other things that really the voter it's mis misled thinking that there's going to be some kind of uh, solution to homelessness through this bill. Uh, so it would allow any cell phone or mobile device to turn into a gambling device. And again, that's a massive expansion of gambling. The tribes are concerned. Ultimately, you know, we really do believe that the big corporate's end game is to have full online gaming. You know, that's what has been done in other states. And so the tribes are very cautious. Therefore, the tribes got together and wrote Proposition 26 by tribes, for tribes, a very narrow definition of gaming, as Jacob pointed out, for in-person authorized betting at sports betting at tribal casinos and the four licensed uh, sports tracks in the state. We feel that this is a, a very cautious and very um, 
very supported approach to to keep a limited scope of sports betting. Uh, sports betting again can be the beginning of, of further online gaming. We don't feel that sports betting is going to go away. The the question, you know, the Golden State is a prize of uh, for these uh, existing corporate operators, and I think this question will be continue to come back uh, if twenty seven, you know, is eventually defeated. So Proposition 26, we feel, is, is a good way to, to start off, and it keeps the building on the promise of exclusivity and keeping tribal gaming on tribal lands, and also allows those four licensed card rooms. Uh, so therefore, you would be expanding, creating jobs, and giving economic impact into those local areas of those, those tribes, or those, those uh racetracks, excuse me, licensed racetracks. So over the years, not only has tribal government gaming supported tribes and their economies allowed us to expand cultural uh, protection, cultural resource protection, provide medical benefits, provide infrastructure, clean water, and all of these other things that the tribes were depressed and without for so long. Um, we've been able to do this in a very regulated, responsible way. I think the tribes have proven that over the last uh, 39 plus years that uh, we know what we're doing. We do it in a responsible and safe manner. And the citizens of California should be concerned uh, that there's a massive uh, potential expansion through Prop 27. There's a huge disconnect between the gaming world and the California media when it comes to Prop 26 and Prop 27. The idea that uh, 27 could usher in a new era where everyone bets on their phones. The gambling industry says it's already happening. And the idea that it's easy to crack down on Caribbean-based and European-based websites is easily buffeted away by VPNs. If you go on VPN websites and if you look at the journals you know, devoted to tech, VPNs can easily get past any protections that states have. So I just wonder if everything about this is being oversold in the terms of the revenue that will be generated through the legal shops, whether 26 or 27, because it's already ubiquitous and the technology to deal with this ubiquity can't get around the fact that VPNs are cheaper and better than ever. Those are, those are excellent points. I would just, I need to clarify, we aren't Prop 26 or we're not trying to sell voters on, hey, address offshore betting. That, that's what Prop 27 is trying to do. As Chairman Martinez was talking about, Prop 26 is basically an extension of, a, of the existing policy framework in terms of tribal gaming by adding these new games at tribal properties. So your point is well taken. Um, yeah. Uh, and by the way, in fact, I would add anecdotally in that sense as well, <clears throat> other parts of the country that have authorized online gaming have not seen any sort of dent to the offshore market. This is why, again, what tribes are focused on is simply adding these games in person at tribal casinos. We're not trying to say, oh, we've got to, you know, this will help stop uh, the offshore betting sites. That's what Prop 27 is trying to do. And in fact, you know, it, it kind of goes against the grain of what they're trying to say, because in the end, what we're going to see is just massive, massive advertising, you know, like, like is happening in other parts of the country, which will no doubt lead to additional problems in terms of addiction and things like that. Thank you. Although through technology and VPNs, as you've stated, you know, it's still possible to bet illegally on, on sports betting or other other games. Uh, but you have to jump through hoops. You know, with Prop 27, we definitely would see a massive expansion of that. Um, you know, hence the hundreds of millions of dollars that the corporate companies uh, such as the Fan Dual DraftKings, BetMGM and others, Penn National, you know, they're making an investment because they know that there is 
a lot of revenue to be generated at the expense of the California voter. How, how, what, what's the current count on the number of tribes that support 26? Yeah, uh, we've got about 30 tribes that are in support of Prop 26 at this point. And I'll just add to that as well that, you know, no, much like the voters, uh, we've seen among the tribal community a lot of confusion uh, between Prop 27, Prop 26. And then at one point, in fact, there was a third initiative that was sponsored by uh, another group of tribes, a couple of tribes uh, that added to that confusion that, that that was created. And so in the last several weeks, we've seen some more tribes coming on board and joining Yes on 26. Also, let me have put those numbers in context. So 30 tribes support 26, 50, you said, oppose 27. There are 110 federally recognized tribes in, in California. What are the others doing? This seems like a, a an existential incursion. As, as some tribes see it, what, 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 why are the other 80 not involved in 26? Right. So that's exactly right. And I think, you know, what we have found in terms of, you know, meetings with tribal leaders from, from all throughout the state is there has been confusion, uh, confusion, not only in terms of 27 and 26, but at the same time, it was, I want to say about a year ago or so, roughly Chairman Martinez, that uh, a third tribal measure was introduced. And so what happened was there's just massive confusion, even among tribal leaders, not all tribes are gaming tribes, obviously. Uh, some tribes are far more engaged uh, than others and have taken greater leadership roles um, all throughout history. And so we're seeing that sort of play out. And I'll say as well that there, there was a difference of opinion in terms of how best to proceed with respect to, uh, you know, the potential for there to be mobile sports wagering. A couple of tribes thought we want to try to do this. And so they filed their own initiative and there was a lot of confusion that was created around that as well. So we, we know, in fact, we just, uh, Chairman Martinez and other tribal leaders statewide got together just, what was it, three weeks ago, Chairman, uh, yes. up in Sacramento, where all of the tribes throughout the state were invited to, to meet and talk about this. A lot of good, very basic questions, though, which I think is a reflection of the fact that there was just a lot of confusion, even some misinformation out there. And so we're seeing tribal leaders are taking the information back to their councils and things like that. Yeah. And a follow-up question. So if those conversations are ongoing by November 8th, how many tribes might join the cause? Do you expect to see 40, 50 more, or do you think it'll stay at a 30 number? I don't know if Jacob's I frozen. If Jacob's else. frozen. Yeah. You know, we continue to do outreach. You know, nobody is, there is no, it's no secret. We are not happy that there's a division in Indian country. And from my position as the chairman of Saquon, we're going to do everything we can. Um, depending on what happens in November, to continue to unite the tribes, uh, to, to, to lessen that confusion, lessen that division. Again, as Jacobs pointed out, there is a difference in approach. Uh, but nonetheless, we are all united, the majority of California tribes against the corporate measure. Now, how it goes forward and how the tribes continue to be at the table, can there be some further unity that's built there? Uh, addressing various economics. Uh, you know, it's been kind of painted the haves versus the have-nots, the small tribes versus the big tribes, wealthy versus not. A lot of this is kind of a little bit of smoke and static to confuse the voter. Uh, you know, all of the tribes in California benefit from the Revenue Sharing Trust Fund. And I think that there is eagerness amongst a number of the tribes to continue to have discussions internally to bring everybody at least a very large majority of the tribes. Well, you know, I can never promise that we'll get every 110, but we definitely have more work to do, as you pointed out. And uh, depending on either way, how things go in November, um, 
there's more work to do to unify Indian country, and that's what we'll be doing. Yeah, and let me ask you a, broader, a quick broader question. To me, the, the big hurdle, you know, supporters like yourselves need to um, convince me of is that ballot box budgeting is a way to move forward on these massive tax and policy proposals. To me, it's, you know, this is why we send people to Sacramento to work with groups and make policy decisions that will then benefit everyone and go through a public process not just one vote with a deal that's, you know, take it or leave it deal that's sent to us. What, what do you say to, to, to folks situated like me or critics who say, we shouldn't do this by ballot box budgeting. We should just vote no. And lawmakers in Sacramento should get their acts together and, and deal with a, with, a, with, a big, with a big issue. Well, Matt, well, Matt, real quick, this is, oh, sorry, Chairman, go ahead. Go, go ahead, Adam. I was just saying, Matt, I was just going to point out, obviously, in California, with a long history, 100 years or so of very limited gaming overall in any sector. But any expansion of gaming uh, would need to be uh, a revision of the California Constitution, which obviously takes the vote of the people. So when it comes to sports betting um, regarding racetracks, how do you justify increasing financial support for an industry that's infamous for its mistreatment of animals? Jacob, are you on? Yeah, I am, Chairman. I got on my cell phone here going back off camera. Hopefully it's stable this time. So that's a good question. Appreciate that question. Um, first off, I think it's important to note that racetracks have been in California and in existence for over a century. And the thinking was very straightforward, actually. Horse racing is a form of sports wagering. And so the thought was, OK, include uh, that segment of the industry, those four uh, licensed racetracks, uh, four of them throughout the state. They include in the San Diego region, Del Mar, uh, to the north of that, uh, Los Alamitos and Santa Anita, and up in Northern California, Golden Gate Field. So it was pretty straightforward. Racetracks have been, have been involved in the form of sports betting uh, for over a century, just include that. Um, I just, I, uh, Tori Big Knife is on to talk about the enforcement provisions in Prop 26. I don't know if you have specific questions about those, but that's something that has come up. I know the card rooms, are opposed to Prop 26 because of it. Um, and I just wanted to make sure we had maybe five minutes for him to talk about it. It's not as it's being portrayed and we wanted to make that clear. I think that's a great idea, Kathy. Yeah. Okay, then I will, I will get started. Uh, usually people ask me uh, long before like Jacob to get off screen, uh, more of a voice for radio here. But I wanted to talk with you about a very important provision in Prop 26 that is starting to get at least some attention from the card rooms in terms of their response. And you've probably heard the words that there's a poison pill in Prop 26. We don't believe that to be the case at all. It's not a poison pill. It's actually a provision that is designed to address a problem that tribes have had over the past decade, trying to enforce their exclusive rights to house bank games. And right now, in card rooms throughout the state, they are currently violating the law. They are offering blackjack-style games in violation of the penal code, and they are also uh, offering Baccarat. And those games are in violation of the penal code. Tribes have filed lawsuits in order to establish those facts. But unfortunately, due to resistance from the card rooms, due to resistance from the state, um, at least in terms of compact enforcement, tribes have been in, unable to get past procedural hurdles. So within the 
context of the compact cases and enforcing our rights against the state, we have been uh, found to be incapable of forcing the state to enforce their laws against the card rooms. And in the context of state court lawsuits, we have been found as tribes to not have standing to bring those claims. So the problem is unable, being unable to get to the merits of what the card rooms are doing right now. And I think being in a nation of laws and a state of laws, we all respect that laws should be followed. And that's what we're trying to do. The acts that they have been taking have had severe impacts on tribal businesses and the exclusive rights that the voters granted to us. Now it's being characterized as a private attorney general action, something that's gonna generate needless lawsuits. Nothing could be further from the truth. We actually anticipate this being a one and done lawsuit that is going to actually get to the merits on whether the card rooms are engaging in illegal activity. Now we think they're practically admitting to the fact that they are in their ads because they're saying that it's gonna kill their business. Well, it's definitely gonna stop their illegal uh, activity that is generating them a lot of money. But card rooms also were able to operate and stay in business before they started engaging in this illegal activity. So I don't know that's gonna kill their business, but it will definitely impact it by bringing them into compliance with the law. The way this law, this provision is structured in Prop 26 doesn't really promote anyone that's disinterested in the issue to get involved. There is no attorney's fees clause in there. There is no way to share in any settlement or judgment rendered in the case. Any monies that are recovered for violations go to the state, not to the parties, not to the attorneys. So there's a huge disincentive and there's no bounty that's designed to promote needless litigation. It was for one reason, to get this issue on the merits decided in the courts once and for all. And mind you, we also can't even file a lawsuit until the attorney general's office has reviewed the matter for 90 days and declined to prosecute it itself. So there are a lot of procedural safeguards to avoid wasting money in the courts. Like I said, it's probably going to be done in one case on the merits. You know, we we have we're coming from two different perspectives, so you'll hear from both. One is about the the concern that we have over uh, section 19900 of proposition 26, which uh, will essentially um, is designed to provide limitless lawsuits to take out competition and then as a result harm local communities. And then we also have concern over um, the provision that allows for four private horse tracks to be given essentially a lifeline as long as they continue to offer horse racing, they get to have sports wagering and that's what Dr. Weitzman can talk about. So. Juan, do you want to just highlight some from your city perspective? Absolutely. Again, good morning. Um, thank you for the opportunity again to be here. Um, uh, again, my name is Juan Garza. In, in my role as the executive director of this Dream Prize Authority, uh, my role is to look after the affairs of, of for me, myself specifically, five cities. Um, these five cities are the cities of Compton, the city of Commerce, the city of Bell Gardens, 
the city of Karehe and the city of Hawaiian Gardens. And what unites these cities and there's this joint powers authority, which is a public agency, what unites them is the fact that they all have a card room in their city. And so at some level they depend on their card room to be able to generate revenue. And so through their card rooms, they're, they're able to provide public safety. They're able to provide for um, uh, quality of life, like, like parks and rec services, community development, economic development, um, public works, like paving the streets, infrastructure, everything. You know, all these cities at some level depend on that card room revenue to be able to provide for the residents. Uh, in my case, I have five cities. Uh, throughout the state, we have over 78 cities and, and counties that have a card room of some sort. And so we're talking about a, an impact on multiple cities throughout the, our whole state, not just in LA County. And so what concerns us is the fact that uh, this poison pill uh, that's within this proposition would frankly devastate uh, that ability to be able to generate revenue for our cities, which by extension means it devastates uh, the ability of these cities to be able to provide services for the residents. Uh, case in point, the city of Hawaiian Gardens, as Siobhan knows, you know, over 75%, literally over 75% of its general fund revenue comes from the card room. You know, you're talking about a substantial amount of money uh, that the city depends on to be able to provide for its residents. And so any threat um, that is posed to these cities is, is, is something that we take seriously. And Prop 26 is that threat. Um, by and large, most components within Prop 26, uh, frankly, the JPA and my member cities are agnostic to. Um, if it wasn't because of the inclusion of that poison pill that's in there, that PAGA provision, uh, frankly, we would probably be neutral. You know, we see the potential of, of benefiting our state, of benefiting everyone else um, through this enhanced revenue uh, through through gaming. But the fact that it has a provision, we just think it just uh, it just it's a we just can't can't tolerate that. And so with that, um, you know, a couple of just last points. Um, this is the only proposition. Again, I'll repeat that's the only proposition that will hurt cities. It's the only one. And I think because of that, um, it's something that we take really seriously. If this proposition hopefully fails, it'll keep the status quo. So no city that loses, no city that wins, simply uh, tribal communities and cities that depend on tribal revenue will continue to be the way they are. And us cities that depend on card rooms and card revenues will continue the way we operate. And so we think it's a nice balance to be able to have this thing fail this time and hopefully we can come to a compromise in the future to be able to build a solution that's a win-win for everyone around. So again, thank you for so much. Thanks, Juan. And then um, Siobhan and then Dr. Weitzman. And just uh, one point, and we can provide this to you, um, the lawsuits isn't just a fear. Um, recently, there was a bill in the legislature where the proponents, um, the tribal casino proponents, wrote a letter saying that basically we're putting this provision in to take out the card room so we don't have to deal with the moratorium next year. There's like I, uh, there's a bill that was dealing with allowing card rooms to have more tables, and they basically did admit in a letter that said specifically like, oh, don't worry, we'll take care of that with Prop 26. So we can share that with you afterwards. Um, Siobhan? Wow, <laughs> um, you know, that just it empowers even more what um, I'm about to discuss with you. So again, um, 
I'm Siobhan Moore Cage, and I represent AFSCME Local 36. I represent AFSCME International. Um, they are also um, opposing this bill. And um, San Diego, um, just know that AFSCME Local 127 for San Diego and Coronado also has taken an opposition to this, um, this proposition. And so what you need to know is that it puts 32,000 jobs at risk. It puts over $500 million in tax revenue at risk. Um, and all of this, this, um, these, this loss comes from minority communities. Um, it, it, when Becky said that, that just, that just, um, like I said, it, it makes me, I'm a little emotional when I hear that, that they are intentionally trying to take our card rooms out. Um, I can tell you from experience what happens. So when the pandemic hit our card room, I work in the city of Hawaiian Gardens. I'm the executive assistant to the city manager, mayor and council. And when the pandemic hit our casino gardens, the gardens casino was closed. And so when that casino closed, I lost my job. I got laid off. Um, I, you know, it, it's a good thing that I came back, but I got laid off and I was devastated. Our community was devastated. Those funds generate 70% of our general fund. And so our community for a period of time was devastated and we're still trying to come back from that. And so ultimately, this is what the Indian, the tribal casinos are trying to do. They're trying to close our card rooms. Um, the loss of of those funds, that means loss of union jobs. Those that tax revenue, it fuels the bargaining power for good union jobs, good pay. Um, it takes away from vital services to our community, after school care, um, after after school programs for children. It takes away art, dance, you know, organi organized sports. Our most vulnerable population we know is our is our seniors. It takes away transportation from them. Our city provides them transportation to and from doctor's appointments. Um, it we really really take care of them. We feed them three meals a day. Um, loss in that those funds will take those programs away, and you know so it will just change the quality of life of our communities um, drastically. And so I don't I don't want to see that. Um, and, and that's why I, I stand against Proposition 26. I urge people to vote no on Proposition 26 because it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous for minority communities. And just and, and the other thing that I, I want to point out is it's there are local card rooms from the top of California, from northern California to southern California. There's there's, um, I think Juan said there's, I think there's over 80. And so this is, this is 80 sources of revenue, major sources of revenue that they have intentionally said that they want to take out. So um, I urge you to just, you know, support 
the opposition of this horrible proposition with that terrible poison pill in it that would exploit PAGA and just take it into a whole another territory. I mean, it's amazing that they want to change the Constitution so that they can you know, sue our court card rooms and we have all of these lawsuits. And every time a lawsuit comes, our card rooms have to close up for 30 days. Whether it's proven that it's legitimate or not, the card rooms have to close up for 30 days. And so we don't want that to happen. So um, please join us in opposing this horrible proposition. Thank, thank you, Siobhan. And then Dr. Weitzman on um, the uh, first track issue. Yeah, thank you, Becky. Um, can you all hear me okay? All right, I'll try to help my dogs not bark too much while I'm talking. They, they usually don't agree with me on anything I say. Um, but in this case, uh, totally different tack on this, if you'll excuse the pun. Um, our opposition as animal welfare advocates and animal welfare leaders in the state that is the leader in animal welfare for the country is based on uh, something completely different than what Siobhan and Juan just brought up. We're not taking a position, obviously, on the card rooms or on the gambling, but on the welfare of the horses. And this is an industry that um, basically will be given a policy that is completely untenable as far as we're concerned from an animal welfare perspective for one simple reason. Horse racing is dying out throughout the world. It truly is. In the United States, we have one of the highest fatality rates of horse racing in of anywhere in the world. Uh, California, we're lucky here in Del Mar. It is a better situation than, than the rest of California, but the, the rate of deaths for horses is still outrageous. It's, it's a sport that this sort of uh, um, casualty rate, this morbidity would never be allowed in any other sport in, in human conception. We're, we're past the Coliseum days, but not for horses. And that's really for us in animal welfare in California. That's the biggest issue here. It truly is about the horses. We're lucky in California that we have a high life-saving rate. We basically ensure that no animal that is healthy or treatable ever um, is, is euthanized, especially in our county here in San Diego. The rest of California very much like that, but San Diego leads that effort. And we're talking about an industry where in just the last 10 years, 1,600 horses have died. Um, and these, these deaths, as you all know, are absolutely horrific to see there. And they're often euthanized right in front of spectators. Um, it's really not a tenable situation. It's not something that ever should be happening in 2022. And here it is happening again. The horse racing industry is going through a really, really tough time. I, I appreciate that. I, I love thoroughbreds. I think they're absolutely gorgeous creatures. I'm a veterinarian. I, I want all animals to be well and to, and to thrive in their lives. These youngsters, these one and a half to two-year-olds do not thrive. They are raced over and over and over again, often in spite of all the requirements we put forward for horses. They're, they're forced to race when they're not healed from the last race. What often happens is horses will Obviously, they'll break their legs, they'll, they'll have fetlock injuries, they'll have laminitis, they'll have chronic strains, a 1000 pound animal going um, at 40 miles an hour, well, probably not that fast on a horse track, but they can go up to 40 miles an hour. Putting all that strain on those limbs causes a lot of micro fractures that after, after repetitive racing can lead to uh, lethal injuries that happen often on the field. So for us, for so many reasons, we have been looking forward to seeing the day that either horse racing completely changes 
completely changes so that these youngsters aren't forced to do this brutal, horrific blood sport, but that we actually see the end of horse racing, at least as we know it, so that these animals are safer. What Prop 26 is going to do is to give a transfusion to the horse racing industry that they do not deserve. They are not taking better care of horses. They are not ensuring that horse deaths are decreasing in California. This is millions of dollars going into the horse racing industry to keep this really futile and very medieval sport going. And it's to the detriment of these magnificent animals. So for us, that is the biggest issue here right now, that horse racing is not safer. We're not evolving to a better place with horse racing. The industry is seeing fewer and fewer spectators. We're finally at a point that we might be able to help these horses. And now here comes millions of dollars just to prop up the horse racing um, uh, venues to do something that's not even horse racing. And really key point, and then I'll close with this, really key point is that Prop 26 is going to force tracks that have the worst, worst records on horse safety to continue to race horses because there is a requirement that they do so in order to keep that gambling license. So for us, there are so many problems with this legislation. It's a really, really bad policy for all the reasons that Siobhan and Juan just mentioned. It's also a bad policy for the animals in an estate where we are about to ban the, the testing of toxic drugs on dogs and cats that we're gonna give an infusion to, the, to an industry that is really dedicated to hurting animals is something that we just cannot cannot ever condone. So I think that's um, pretty much it for me. It really is about the horses right now and and not to give them this lifeline that they do not warrant right now. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Um, I appreciate your specific arguments against. Let me ask you a broader one and then pick your brain about what, what, what can be done about it. I mean, is it ballot box budgeting, which is essentially what this is, always gives me great agitas. I mean, it's, it's, it's a horrible way for the state to make policy decisions in my personal opinion. But we already have another competing measure coming up in 2024. And I'm sure, you know, there's so much money floating around in, in, in both 26 and 27 that we're going to see a repeat of that. And maybe DraftKings and FanDuel, if they lose their effort, um, will spend gobs of money more in 24. So I guess my question for you is, do you have faith that lawmakers in Sacramento could come up with a proposal that, you know, makes everyone happy or mostly happy? Is that so, a possible thing? And should we be aiming at that? <laughs> I mean, I think that, so 2020, they did attempt to do that. The legislature did attempt to do that. They brought all the parties together uh, the two, Senator Dada and Assemblymember Gray were leading that charge. Uh, things broke down primarily because um, the proponents of Prop 26 wanted a provision that would take out the card rooms, and that's where the whole deal blew up. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a constitutional amendment. You have to have a vote no matter what, you know, because it's a, a change to the gambling laws, it's required. But the difference is if if both measures fail, we I mean, we're indifferent to 27, but if both measures fail, maybe all the parties would be ready to come together to something that's actually doable. Um, because, you know, uh, does everyone want to spend that many millions of dollars again over, you know, fighting with each other? Um, sometimes it shows it's like everyone needs to get out of their system, maybe. Um, from our perspective, you know, um, 
and also I should say that other that legislative solution before also I don't think in court, um, included horse horse tracks. Um, so I mean I think that you can kind of so yes we're hopeful that next year if everything loses that there might be some motivation because it's a lot cheaper way and you could probably get a lot better policy if the legislature you know is engaged and goes through that regular legislative process. Thanks again for listening to the News Fix. To find our election guide, go to sandiegouniontribune.com slash 2022 election guide. There you'll find Q&As with candidates, videos of our interviews, and more. Thanks for listening.